Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. In the first century, like in the New Testament, there was no welfare, no trade unions, and, you know, something like unemployment meant starvation. So the action of a landowner in employing extra workers that he didn't really need, particularly late in the day, was an act of generosity. And I'm going to bet you even know which parable we're going to be reading. But do you know what was even more extraordinary than that act of generosity? Hey, Hopeful. Greetings from my traveling microphone today. Glad you're with me for yet another part of our journey together through the Bible, Monday through Saturday, and considering our own life and work stories in light of that, including maybe even how we see the parable of the vineyard and the vineyard workers through first century eyes instead of 21st century eyes. Now, importantly, there is one point that we're not going to get to in today's Daily Audio Bible segment, So I'm going to put it in today's separate Always Be Ready segment. And if you want an important lesson that informs both, well, life and business and politics, don't miss that. But when the vineyard owner hires all these workers, particularly late in the day, and demonstrates his generosity to them, a critical lesson here is that not, uh, isn't about a, a level of fairness, but that his offer is like the kingdom of heaven. As R.T. France puts it, God's grace is not limited by our ideas of fairness. His gifts are far beyond what we can deserve. Picking up today in Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius, he sent them into his vineyard for the day And when he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he said to them, You also go into my vineyard, and I'll give you what is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. You also go into my vineyard, he told them. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, Call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired about five came, they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed they'd get more, but they also received a denarius each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner, saying, These men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work and the burning heat. He replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a denarius? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first last. While going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the twelve disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, See, 
We're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified, and on the third day he will be raised. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons, and she knelt down to ask him for something, and he asked her, What do you want? Promise, she said to him, that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and the other on your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, saying, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? We are able, they said to him. He told them, You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten disciples heard this, they became indignant with the two brothers. And Jesus called them over and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in high position act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting by the road, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd demanded that they keep quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus stopped, called them, and said, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said to him, open our eyes. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they could see, and they followed him. And that is Matthew chapter 20. Hey, before getting to our Old Testament segment, here's an interesting little detail, if not factoid. Two blind men being healed in that narrative gives weight to their recognition of Jesus as the son of David, who, of course, is the promised Messiah. It wasn't what they saw with their eyes, so to speak. Well, as we get to Kings and Chronicles, today we're going to reverse the order uh, for reasons I trust will become uh, apparent as we go important to any reform or revival among God's people is seeking the Lord then and now. And the writer of Chronicles uses the verb to seek eight times in chapters 14 to 16. And today we're getting to 15 and 16. And he uses it 30 times altogether. And the words to seek the Lord means to desperately desire and to seek with all your heart a deeper relationship with God, and a greater commitment to His purposes. It requires pulling away from evil influences and committing your life to purity and holiness. So today we're just going to wrap up with some Old Testament narrative, and um, I hope that that seeking is something that becomes uh, a little more clear for you today. Second Chronicles, picking up in chapter 15. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Obed. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, 
Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, hear me. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For many years, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without instruction. But when they turned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress and sought him, he was found by them. In those times, there was no peace for those who went about their daily activities because the residents of the land had many conflicts. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every possible distress. But as for you, be strong, don't give up, for your work has a reward. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah son of Obed the prophet, he took courage and removed the abhorrent idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He renovated the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple, and then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, as well as those from the tribes of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who were residing among them, for they had defected to him from Israel in great numbers when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They were gathered in Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Asa's reign, and at that time they sacrificed to the Lord seven hundred cattle and seven thousand sheep and goats from all the plunder they had brought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the Lord of their ancestors, with all their heart and all their soul. Whoever would not seek the Lord of God, the Lord God of Israel, would be put to death, young or old man or woman. They took an oath to the Lord in a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets, and with ram's horns. All Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They had sought him with all sincerity, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. King Asa also removed Makah, his grandmother, from being queen mother, because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. Asa chopped down her obscene image, then crushed it and burned it in the Kidron Valley. The high places were not taken away from Israel. Nevertheless, Asa was wholeheartedly devoted his entire life. He brought his father's consecrated gifts and his own consecrated gifts into God's temple, silver, gold, and utensils. There was no war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. In the 36th year of Asa, Israel's king Baasha went to war against Judah. He built Ramah in order to keep anyone from leaving or coming to King Asa of Judah. So Asa brought out the silver and gold from the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace and sent it to Aram's king Benadad, who lived in Damascus, saying, There's a treaty between me and you, between my father and your father. Look, I have sent you silver and gold. Go, break your treaty with Israel's king Baasha, so that he will withdraw from me. Benadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies to the cities of Israel. They attacked Aijon, Dan, Abel-Maim, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. And when Baasha heard about it, he quit building Ramah and stopped his work. Then King Asa brought all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timbers Basha had built it with. Then he built Geba and Mitzpah with them. 
At that time, the seer Hanani came to King Asa of Judah and said to him, Because you depended on the king of Aram and have not depended on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from you. Were you were not the Cushites and Libyans a vast army with many chariots and horsemen? When you depended on the Lord, he handed them over to you. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. You have been foolish in this matter. Therefore, you will have wars from now on. Asa was enraged with the seer and put him in prison because of his anger over this and Asa mistreated some of the people at that time. Note that the events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a disease in his feet, and his disease became increasingly severe. Yet even in his disease, he didn't seek the Lord, but only the physicians. Asa rested with his ancestors. He died in the 41st year of his reign. He was buried in his own tomb that he had made for himself in the city of David. And they laid him out in a coffin that was full of spices and various mixtures of prepared ointments. And then they made a great fire in his honor. Second Chronicles 15 and 16. Now, continuing with the parallel passage... In 1 Kings chapter 16, we will wrap it up here. Now the word of the Lord came to Jehu, son of Hananiah, against Baasha. Because I raised you up from the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel, but you have walked in the ways of Jeroboam and have caused my people Israel to sin, angering me with their sins, take note, I will eradicate Baasha and his house and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Anyone who belongs to Basha and dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And anyone who is his and dies in the field, the birds will eat. Then the rest of the events of Basha's reign, along with all his accomplishments and might, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. Basha rested with his ancestors and was buried in Terzah. His son Elah became king in his place. But through the prophet Jehu, son of Hanani, the word of the Lord also came against Baasha and against his house because of all the evil he had done in the Lord's sight. His actions angered the Lord, and Baasha's house became like the house of Jeroboam because he had struck it down. In the 26th year of Judah's king Asa, Elah, son of Baasha, became king over Israel, and he reigned in Terzah, Two years. His servant Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him while Elah was in Tarzah, getting drunk in the house of Arzah, who was in charge of the household at Tarzah. In the 27th year of Judah's king Asa, Zimri went in and struck Elah down, killing him. Then Zimri became king in his place. When he became king, as soon as he was seated on his throne, Zimri struck down the entire house of Baasha. He didn't leave a single male, including his kinsmen and his friends. So Zimri destroyed the entire house of Baasha. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken against Baasha through the prophet Jehu. This happened because of all the sins of Baasha and those of his son Elah which they committed and caused Israel to commit, angering the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. 
The rest of the events of Elah's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. In the 27th year of Judah's king Asa, Zimri became king for <laughs> seven days in Terzah. Now the troops were encamped against Gibbethon of the Philistines, and when these troops heard that Zimri had not only conspired, but had also struck down the king, then all Israel made Omri, the army commander, king over Israel that very day in, the, in camp. Omri, along with all Israel, marched up from Gibbethon and besieged Terzah. When Zimri saw that the city was captured, he entered the citadel of the royal palace and burned it down over himself. He died because of the sin he committed by doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and by walking in the ways of Jeroboam and the sin he caused Israel to commit. The rest of the events of Zimri's reign, along with the conspiracy that he instigated, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. At that time, the people of Israel were divided. Half the people followed Tibni, son of Ginnath, to make him king, and half followed Omri. However, the people who followed Omri proved stronger than those who followed Tibni, son of Ginnath. So Tibni died, and Omri became king. In the 31st year of Judah's king Asa, Omri became king over Israel, and he reigned 12 years. He reigned six years in Terzah, and then he bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for 150 pounds of silver, and he built up the hill. He named the city he built Samaria based on the name Shemer, the owner of the hill. Omri did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He did more evil than all those who were before him. He walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, in every respect and continued in his sins that he caused Israel to commit, angering the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. The rest of the events of Omri's reign, along with his accomplishments and all the might he exercised, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. Omri rested with his ancestors and was buried in Samaria. His son Ahab became king in his place. Ahab, son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Judah's king Asa. Ahab, son of Omri, reigned in Israel in Samaria for 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight more than all who were before him. Then, as if following the sin of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, were not enough, he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, the king of the Sidonians, and then proceeded to serve Baal and bow in worship to him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole, and Ahab did more to anger the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. During his reign, Hale the Bethelite built Jericho, and at the cost of Abiram the firstborn, he laid its foundation, at the, and at the cost of Segub his second, he finished its gates according to the word of the Lord he had spoken through Joshua, son of Nun. And that, my friends, wraps it up for the day. I love you. Amen. Amen.